Spencer, we got the Thanksgiving weekend coming up. Long four days. You going to be riding your bike? Yeah, Fred. Actually, this year I'm skipping on the traditional Thanksgiving thing, and I'm heading out to Moab, do a little mountain biking, do a little camping. So some Thanksgivings, you know, you end up just sitting around watching football, eating food. But this one, I'll get some riding, and that's nice for me because that means I can add to my mileage total for the week. Yeah, you got to you tally up those miles, man, because of our good friends at Health IQ, you might be eligible for half a million dollars in life insurance coverage. That's right, Health IQ, the company that does life insurance for active, healthy people, cyclists, runners, campers, vegans, people who are like Spencer, go out there and get after it. And I believe they have a URL for our listeners. Yes, Fred, on the World Wide Web, you just go to healthiq.com slash velonews. You get a free quote on that life insurance. And like Fred said, it's a great deal for active people like you and I. And it's real easy to just go and get a quote and see how see how you can uh, get yourself that life insurance. Health IQ com slash velo news. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. If you ride 50 miles a week, which, you know, Moab, you're going to ride that in like an afternoon. Mm. You're going to be eligible <laughs> for this Health IQ deal. Well, we'll see about that. No promises there. <laughs> well, again, healthiq.com slash velo news. Let's get on with the show. Uh, welcome back to the Velo News Podcast. We have a short intro this week because uh, we're getting ready to get out of here for the Thanksgiving holiday. So instead of a full show, uh, we have a long interview. Spencer, who are we chatting with this week? Well, you're the one talking to him, Fred. It is none other than Derek Bouchard-Hall, who is the outgoing CEO of USA Cycling, the lame duck, maybe mm -hmm. you'd call him. He has been in uh, that role for a couple years now, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been in it for four years. For four years, wow. Uh, he Time came, flies. I know. He was the CEO of, I believe, Wiggle beforehand, the yeah, online right. cycling retailer, had a sterling resume, was at uh, USA Cycling for four years, and he is now going to uh, be in charge of ASOS. Uh, couldn't, I couldn't ask many Asos questions. He said, you know, he's going to have to wait till he starts up there. To Didn't give you any inside scoops on the new chamois no, coming out or anything? No, no new chamois technology. Well, but what did you guys talk about? Well, we talked uh, about everything under the sun in regards to USA Cycling and his job. Everything from his successes and failures as the president and CEO, all the way to the, um, I would say, employment skills that make for a good CEO. You know, USA Cycling is now on the hunt for a new CEO, so we talked about about the different types of experiences and job skills that would help someone thrive in that position. Uh, if you couldn't have guessed, it's it's a tough job. It's a real tough job. I, I don't know. I'm not sure I would ever want to try my hand at that role. Yeah, you know, I got the impression from uh, talking to Derek about it multiple times over the last few years that it was, you know, it's a demanding job, both physically demanding and emotionally demanding. Anyway, uh, we talked for about half an hour, and so we have the lion's share of that interview for the listeners today. And again, a reminder, if you listen and you like the Vel News podcast, please rate us and leave us a review on iTunes because that helps other people find uh, the Vel News podcast and, you know, maybe tell a friend, you know, you're going to be at Thanksgiving this weekend uh, yeah. when everyone's debating politics. Yeah, tell old Uncle Ben about it yeah. or uh, Aunt Kathy or something. Just lean in and say, guys, you know, I know we're talking all sorts of politics right now, but you guys really need to listen to the Vel News yeah, podcast. It's hot fire for your ears. It's amazing. Uh, all right. Let's hear from Derek Bouchard-Hall and everyone out there. Have a great extended weekend. We will see you in a week. All 
All right, right now I have Derek Bouchard-Hall, President and CEO of USA Cycling on the line. The news around Derek is that he is leaving USA Cycling after uh, to being in this position for four years. Derek, thanks so much for making some time for us. You bet, Fred. Happy to do it. Derek, my first question, why was this the time, the right time for you to move on from the National Federation? Well, it was, uh, it was, it was an exceptionally difficult decision to make, um, in part because it's uh, not the optimal time um, for me personally, because there's a lot of exciting things going on that I want to be a part of uh, and see them through. Um, you know, not the least of which is we've been working really hard on some new IT uh, technology that'll serve our community well, and that's coming out next year, and I'd like to be around when that happens, and we're working hard towards Tokyo, uh, and I would love to be around during that time. Um, so personally, I found it to be, you know, actually a bad time for me to leave, but for the organization, um, it's not a bad time uh, because... Uh, we have gotten some of these major initiatives in place, and they're rolling, and they're really being led by um, others than myself. You know, Scott Schnisbond is doing a great job in our elite athletics, um, and uh, Chuck Hodge is, uh, is taking over a lot of stuff that we're doing, uh, well, all of the stuff that we're doing with events, um, and he's going to be ready to use this new IT technology, and we have the leadership in place to run with these things that have gotten going, and I don't think it, the, uh, the organization is going to be adversely impacted by my departure. And, and there are some personal things that were driving this, just in terms of my, my family and my kids and my wife, um, which made the timing work for, for personal reasons. But, um, you know, it's never ideal. It's never a good time uh, to leave uh, a role like this. Um, but as, time, as, as timing goes, uh, I think we've got some good stuff that is in the works and is happening and is well-led, and my departure isn't going to stop any of that. Um, and so from that perspective, I think it'll work quite well for the organization. And so you are going to take a leadership position at ASOS, the apparel manufacturer based in Switzerland. Um, would you describe your decision to leave more from uh, stemming from professional reasons or personal reasons? Oh, good question. I think it was a combination of, uh, of both of those. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's it probably an even split between the two. Okay. So, Derek, when you took over as, at USA Cycling, the National Federation faced hurdles on multiple fronts. Um, Overall license holder numbers were, was going down. Um, the high performance side of USA Cycling was struggling. So you faced um, multiple hurdles. How would you describe your success in taking these on? First off, let's start with membership side and then let's go to the high performance side. You know, that, you know, the membership side and the racing participation has, has been the biggest challenge that, that USA Cycling has faced. Um, at, you know, our, our membership had a significant run up um, through 2012, uh, and that's uh, where it peaked and has been falling slowly since that time. And I think those uh, in our American bike racing community that are out there racing bikes, um, 
people see that and know that, that they're seeing um, a lower participation in the events that they are in uh, and reduced memberships. Um, it's not been a huge drop, uh, but it's been a consistent drop over the last uh, five years. And that's the biggest uh, challenge that USA Cycling is facing. And that's not just a challenge for us. It's the, um, you know, the entire cycling industry has been challenged the last five years and is evolving uh, rapidly. Um, the good news is that I think participation in, the, in cycling as an enterprise remains extremely robust. We're just seeing changes in how people are participating and what they're doing and the types of bikes they want to ride and the types of events that they want to do. And those challenges have been really hard for USA Cycling. I think it's the, the single biggest challenge that we face. Um, and it's, 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 it's driven by a lot of factors that are outside of USA Cycling's direct control. So the loss of a very popular icon like Lance Armstrong is a big uh, factor, concerns about uh, safety out on the roads is a big factor. The greater cost and challenges of putting on bike races uh, is a big factor. Um, and also sport, all sports go through uh, waves of popularity um, that they can't maintain indefinitely and they come off of those and they hit the next wave and I think there's some of that as well. So we have struggled with what USA Cycling can do to address that reduced participation and membership. Um, we've been able to, we've pulled the levers that we can um, and Actually, this year, our membership is going to be up year on year. We're going to have a larger 2018 membership than a 2017 membership for the first time in five years. Um, and that's driven by the efforts we've done to improve retention of our membership, and we're proud of those efforts. But the number we really care about is participation, how many people are out racing in events. Um, and that continues to fall, although it is slowing. I think we are approaching the bottom of this contraction that we've seen. Um, and I, you know, I think uh, we've, we're, we're fighting it as best we can, but there's a lot of factors that are outside our control. Uh, and one of the things that we are asking ourselves um, is, you know, what can USA Cycling do? What role do we have to play in reducing this contraction? Any good idea we have within our means, we're doing it. And uh, we have um, uh, a series of initiatives that we're doing to try to bolster participation in the sport, and they're, they're focused around enhancing racing opportunities, more events, uh, around uh, transitioning people from sort of adjacent categories like triathlon or BMX um, into uh, the sport, um, improving the experience of the sport. Uh, but we've lacked any big, grand ideas within our means, um, and so it's been a real challenge, but it's something that we're never going to uh, stop fighting. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that we seem to have stopped the decline in membership. That's extremely important. But we still got to uh, stabilize the racing participation and turn, turn that around. Um, and I think it's going to be one of the most significant and interesting challenges uh, for my successor is taking that on. I think it's a, great, uh, it's a great challenge. It's a very interesting problem. And it's possible that somebody coming in um, will have a better um, ideas uh, than I have had or I've been able to help us generate as a team um, and maybe can make some more progress there. But that's, that's the story on the membership front. We're, uh, we're, we're pleased our membership is growing again, um, uh, but uh, uh, we, uh, we're, we're mm -hmm. still not at the level we want to be. We want participation and membership uh, growing, both of those growing consistently. The other thing I'll just quickly say about membership is the um, Another initiative we've done is to try to make ourselves become more relevant to the enthusiast community. Um, and uh, we've done that by uh, signing up enthusiast events like Grand Fondos and Fun Rides to work with USA Cycling. 
um, and also by launching an enthusiast-based membership. Um, and we're getting a bit of traction there, particularly on the event side, uh, but we're certainly learning a lot about USA Cycling's relevance to that community, and we'll keep doing that. Uh, we've had some initial success to make us want to keep doing it, but we haven't hit the levels to make us feel as though um, that initiative has been a big uh, success. Uh, but the priority remains on our racing community and what USA Cycling can do to, to help foster participation um, in, uh, in, in uh, traditional bike racing. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, you know, one of your, the big tools that you deployed in this fight to boost memberships was this ride membership priced at $50, the 12-month Ride membership allows cyclists to support Team USA Cycling and enjoy USA Cycling benefits, $225,000 of accident medical coverage at Fun Rides and Grand Fondos, T-shirts, uh, you know, subscriptions to Bicycling Magazine. What's your assessment of the success or failure of the ride membership, and where do you think it um, execution could have been better? Well, I think there's uh, lots of ways of execution be better, but one of the things that, you know, we've we just have very limited resources, and um, while it's an important strategic initiative, uh, it is a tiny fraction of USA Cycling's uh, other efforts, and we just have not been in a position to deploy significant resource, and so there's a lot of things about it in terms of how quickly we uh, were able to deploy it, how much marketing support we could put behind it, it was just limited because um, it's just not uh, an appropriate uh, use of our resources to put too much energy towards it um, as we uh, as we try to develop it. When we see we're really proud of what it is and what it can be, uh, and it can be accretive to the resources of the organization, well, we'll step on the accelerator. But until then, we're sort of very efficiently uh, trying to eke out the resource we put at it. Um, the success has been is, you know, we've, uh, I think it was just more than 4,000 um, new members we were able to bring in. Uh, which is great. Our aspiration is significantly larger than that, and it has been um, a nice source of revenue for us. But when we're now experimenting and tweaking it. You may have seen that we've, we've evolved that to where now we've developed a basic membership that's priced at just $20, and the upgrade to that basic, um, something called gold, is, the, is now the equivalent of ride. And so we've effectively recrafted it and created a lower price membership uh, with reduced um, benefits in it, but I think the lower price point is going to be helpful for bringing more members in, um, and that's what our current initiative right now that we've just been experimenting with, and um, very quickly we've gotten to a thousand of those with very little effort, you know, putting no marketing spend behind it, so that's encouraging and we'll keep uh, running with that. I would say that the, the success is that we're learning a lot more about what people are interested in from us and what's valuable and what's not valuable. Um, uh, and so that learning uh, is great, and I think our new product is going to be uh, valuable to the organization because we can run it very efficiently and have it um, uh, be useful to the organization in generating new members and resources. The failure has been we're not at the scale that we want to be. Um, this is something where we would like to see ourselves the way British Cycling is, where we have twice as many enthusiast members as we do racing members, and our community is now um, uh, three times the size of what it is today. That's what we're after, and what we have has not reached that scale yet. And so what we're looking for is, is not five or 10,000 new members. Um, we're looking for 50 or 100,000 more members, uh, and we don't think um, we've gotten to that point yet. Uh, if we feel as though what we have uh, can get there, 
well, then we'll put some more energy behind it. But until then, uh, we're sort of efficiently experimenting because um, uh, our focus always has to remain on our racing side, and we have a lot of stuff we want to do there uh, and must do there. So um, while we're doing that, we just have to be very cautious about the level of energy we put into the enthusiast, and we have been. Mm-hmm. You know, traditionally, another important uh, bucket of revenue for USA Cycling has been corporate sponsorships, both endemic and non-endemic. Um, what's the size of USA Cycling's uh, revenue from these sponsorships today versus where it was when you first came in? Well, uh, it's probably, since I first came in, it's probably down a little bit. You know, we had, when I came in, we had some very big and valuable uh, partners, um, Volkswagen in particular, um, that we were unsuccessful in renewing at the same level. Um, and by historical levels, if you go further back 10 or 20 years, um, we're also down. The, the climate for sponsorship is, is very challenging. Uh, there's two things there. One is um, the industry is not making as much money as it was in the past, and so the endemic sponsors are harder to come by, which are very natural for us. Um, and I'm sure Bella News is, is uh, seeing those challenges as well in selling advertising. And then on the, um, the uh, non-endemic side, it's just a very competitive and difficult uh, market, um, and I think the uh, digital uh, landscape has changed the way a lot of companies are, are marketing. Um, there's all sorts of new, uh, very low-cost means for reaching targeted audiences through the digital realm um, that makes uh, the option of sponsoring something like an NGB, uh, the opportunity cost has become different on that one. So it's, it's a really challenging environment, but we've stabilized it. It's still a good source of... Um, of revenue for the organization, uh, but we want it to be uh, much bigger than it is. We we uh, um, uh, are need to build, and I think we will. We have a number of partners that we're in discussions with right now that I think are going to come across the line uh, any um, you know any month now. And um, as we build towards 2020, we also have uh, a better opportunity. Once you pass the Olympic year. Um, it's always hard. We always find ourselves going down in the year two post an Olympics and then rising back up. And I think that rise is, is coming. But it's unmistakable that, you know, one of the big challenges that, uh, that I faced in arriving and the organization faced is um, that fall in racing participation and a very difficult sponsorship environment. Those are two big revenue sources that, um, due to just changes in the landscape, have moved significantly against USA Cycling. Um, and battling against them has been hard. I will say that we've had success in other realms, and so USA Cycling's revenue has actually grown every hmm. year um, the last few years, despite those other two problems, just simply because we've chased after other areas uh, that have been um, uh, valuable to us, like the, um, the, the podium uh, upsell program with our, um, with our membership, where we can ex- offer extended benefits to our members, our membership um, uh, revenue has actually been growing thanks to that program, and the USOC has given us more money uh, with our elite athletic um, uh, opportunities, and our foundation uh, has stepped up and uh, provided more. So we've basically just surveyed the landscape and said, you know, we have we have multiple major revenue streams. Some are falling, some are growing. Let's chase after the best opportunities. And fortunately for the organization, we've been able to, in aggregate, be growing our revenue. Um, despite some significant challenges, and so that's really stabilized 
uh, the financial position of USA Cycling, which um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of and the organization should be quite proud of. Do you chalk the sponsorship figures more up to the challenges in the market, or is that a failure of execution uh, you know, on, on the end of you and your staff? Oh, it's definitely not failures of execution. We've done that brilliantly. Um, of course, I'm going to answer that. Well, um, I, I think it's, it's, by, it's clearly uh, mostly the market because mm-hmm. this is happening uh, to uh, other organizations, whether uh, other organizations in the sport of, um, uh, of cycling, um, whether it is uh, professional cycling teams or bike races or other uh, leadership organizations like IMBA and People for Bikes and League of American Bicyclists, whether it's other NGBs um, like USA Triathlon, or uh, everybody is experiencing the same thing. The market for uh, traditional models of sponsorship is extremely difficult uh, and has gotten a lot harder. Um, and you can't uh, do outstanding execution to get yourself out of that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, we're, of course, of constantly asking ourselves about uh, what is the source of our partners and, and who are they and where did they come from and, and how can we do better. And we're making some adjustments right now um, in this new landscape because the, the old model uh, doesn't work, um, or at least it doesn't work in the same way with the same level of success. So we're finding new ways. With what we're, we're, you know, in particular, um, the connection with the partner needs to be really strong and there needs to be a, a very clear fit that's mutually beneficial. It's not just sticking somebody's logo. Um, there needs to be a true, genuine partnership where both organizations are benefiting from each other in some fundamental way that fits their mission. Um, and we're going after those uh, and, uh, and not after sort of the just, you know, we'll take your logo. There's got to be a real connection between the two organizations. Um, and that, that's just an example of the way we're adjusting our approach. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's always room to improve on execution, but the market is tough. You know, switching gears, I think one of the biggest challenges that I've seen towards people in your position and that's the head of USA Cycling is the constant scrutiny that you get from amateur riders, from race organizers, from the media, from people, even people on the board. I'm curious, how was it for you to have to deal with that um, scrutiny about membership numbers, scrutiny about the role USA Cycling plays in the current ecosystem around uh, participatory cycling? Um, did it wear on you? Did you, you know, find yourselves ever being bogged down by, um, you know, constant scrutiny? No, I, I, I wouldn't say that. Um, yes, there is. Um, Scrutiny. We're a public organization, and we serve a large, very passionate membership that have uh, rightful expectations of what we can do, and that just comes with the job. Um, and uh, I wouldn't describe it as, as wearing or burdensome. Um, it is part of the responsibility, and it only comes from the fact that people really care, um, and uh, and they don't see the whole picture. I mean, some of the criticisms are are valid and you listen to them and say, you know what, they got a point there. Um, and some of them are, um, are not because they just don't understand the demands and constraints that we have and how much we have to do and how little, uh, when, when you look at all the responsibilities of USA Cycling, um, whether it's selecting athletes for the Olympics or, or developing elite uh, programs like in track or uh, training officials or issuing licenses, um, or uh, running the safe sport program or anti-doping, uh, 
it just it, the, the list is very long. The resources that we have gets watered down very rapidly. And um, so you end up, everything you do, you end up doing so with a teeny amount of resource. And people sometimes look, well, you know, you have $16 million in revenue and you're not able to do X. And it's like, well, yes, because X is on a list of uh, uh, 25 other um, alphabet letters of projects that we need to do. And it actually gets watered down. There's, there's some of that. Um, but I, I certainly wouldn't say it is a burden. It's, it's, it's our responsibility. Uh, that is our job. And it comes with the territory. Um, and we'd actually be in a much worse place if people weren't passionate and watching and, and throwing their point of view. I also think our, our relationship with our community has dramatically improved. Um, there was a period where everybody distrusted everything USA Cycling did um, and always believed that our failures were failures of, of intention um, and, and lack of goodwill and, and misplaced priorities. Um, and I think that's improved a lot. I think that people are, are willing to... Um, give the benefit of the doubt, and there's more asking of questions. Why don't you do this rather than you're wrong for for doing this or not doing this? Um, and that's helped a lot, and it's been um, really encouraging. You know, a great example is we recently finished our uh, sport committee meetings um, uh, of our. That's our a key component of our uh, representation structure and way we get the voice of our community into USA Cycling. Um, and the tone of those are just so much better. People have lots of frustrations and complaints uh, and things they'd like to see us do differently, but the conversations are so productive and friendly and good ideas come out and there's no arguing or distrust. It, it, it's actually a very healthy and positive environment. And in that context, you know, it, it isn't sort of wearing and grading. It's actually energizing and you just think like, you know, what more can we do? How, how can we get better? Um, it, it, isn't, it isn't the toxic environment that uh, USA Cycling has had in the past with its community. It's much better. Knowing that you do have limited resources, I sometimes wonder, though, if USA Cycling should focus more in one direction or the other. Obviously, the two big uh, forces that you put your attention towards is toward the elite athlete development and gold medals, and then the other one is participation and grassroots and uh, you know, participatory cycling. Um, you know, should USA Cycling choose one or the other? No, no. I that um, you know that that is a question that that comes up, and it's a natural question for those that are thoughtful um, about looking at the organization. Um, the reason I say uh, no uh, is that um, the two are linked. Um, it is an ecosystem that we need to uh, support, um, and uh, they are complementary uh, to each other. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, if we stop doing one of those, you know, who's going to pick up the, the other one? Um, and I think people also uh, um, uh, underestimate the value uh, of our affiliation with the USOC has uh, with the broader organization. So, for instance, um, you know, anti-doping. We're, we're able to do that because of our um, uh, position with the USOC or um, the safe sport program that we use to uh, adjudicate cases and issues of, of misconduct in our community. We have a very robust structure for dealing with any sort of bad behavior. That is, is we are able to do because of our affiliation with the USOC, just as, as two examples. Um, it's much more efficient for the organization to oversee the whole uh, universe from grassroots development all the way to the Olympics. The only uh, problem that can be created 
is if one is over-prioritized uh, to the other or that there's a, uh, the, the most common problem NGBs have is where they end up taking membership resource and putting too much of it towards elite. And, and uh, it's a natural thing that can happen because the elite side is intoxicating and, uh, and exciting and there's a lot of, of uh, attention and exposure uh, for the organization on that. And if you let that happen, you can end up neglecting the amateur side uh, and, uh, and taking resources from the amateur to the elite. Um, but one of the things that I did when I entered is, is uh, we looked very hard at what the balance was there and we um, reallocated that. Uh, and as it actually is now, um, the, uh, we don't take membership-generated resources and use that to fund elite athletics. Um, we, uh, we have uh, enough money in the bank. We have uh, effectively earned uh, interest off of our investments um, that enables us to use just that to complement the USOC funding, our sponsors, and our foundation to run our elite athletic programs so we don't actually have a flow of resource uh, for the most part, from the membership to the uh, elite side, I say for the most part because investments do go up and down year to year and we need some stability in our funding. But over the long term, we don't have that. Um, and I think that's been quite right-sized uh, to do it that way. And so I, I feel good about where we are in terms of that area of focus, and I think the two absolutely are linked and go together. Um, and, and the only reason why uh, you shouldn't do that is if um, you make a mistake about organizational priorities or resource allocation, and I, I think we've right-sized that and done it uh, and done it right now. Okay, we're getting close here, Derek. I, I swear we're getting close. <laughs> um, no worries. I, I uh, another piece of built-in tension to your job that I know from having interviewed your predecessors is the push and pull between um, USA Cycling management and then the board because USA Cycling historically has been an organization where the board does have a good amount of power. Um, how have you navigated that and this push and pull between elite athlete resources and then focus on amateur side? Has that created tension uh, in the past? No, I, mean, I think in the past it has. I mean, there's always tension because um, our board is, uh, is a 20-member board, and we have a lot of constituent representation, so somebody from collegiate, from pro, from cyclocross, from mountain bike, et cetera. Um, and there's always uh, challenges over allocation of resource and priorities, um, and that's a natural tension that's always going to exist in an organization which um, is under-resourced uh, with a large mandate. Um, but those have been, been very healthfully um, managed, uh, and, and I think that the debates that we have with the board are productive and helpful, and uh, our board members are all extremely well-intentioned uh, and do understand that even if they come from a constituent point, they are interested in the overall health and well-being of the organization. Uh, and I certainly would not describe my tenure as being particular tension um, with the board beyond what you would naturally expect. They do take their role very seriously of holding the organization to account. Um, you know, that's driven by Bob Stapleton, um, who is somebody who very much believes that, um, you know, that is the role of the board. They are not a rubber stamp. Um, they are not just a back patter. They are there to make sure the organization is living up to its mandate and delivering on um, what it says it does. And, but that is, that is right. That is, uh, that is the right thing for the board. Um, and I think it's functioning well, 
and uh, uh, it, is a, it is a healthy environment uh, where the debates that we have are, are thoughtfully done, and um, it, that, that's worked pretty well for us. Okay. How would you counsel your successor on how to improve the membership question, how to solve the membership problem? Well, um, if I had uh, really insightful advice, I'd, I'd already be implementing on it, um, on, on what we can do new and different. And what I would say is that, um, and I tell this to my team constantly, is that you know cycling remains very healthy and robust. It is a high participation sport, um, and there's lots and lots of racing going on. It's lower than it was um, five years ago. Uh, but it's, it's much bigger than it was when I retired from the sport in 2002, and I loved it then. Um, and there's lots of exciting things going on in, at USA Cycling. Uh, there's lots of exciting things going on in the sport, whether it's Strava or Zwift or the rise of gravel. And these are all exciting, fantastic things. Um, there is, a, you know, first, don't overreact to um, challenges that we're seeing, uh, like in road uh, racing participation. Um, but just be willing to adapt and change with the environment um, and keep searching and keep fighting. We also have some things coming up that are going to put the organization in a better place to chase after new ideas. Our IT project is almost over, uh, for instance, and we've stabilized our membership revenue and have some new revenue uh, generating things, uh, whether it's merchandise or some of the membership programs. That's going to give the organization additional resource and capacity to put a larger focus on what USA Cycling can do on membership and to use it and to run with it. So uh, my advice would be this is an, a very exciting uh, opportunity um, where the organization uh, has is going to soon have greater capacity to implement new ideas in a sport that while is changing, um, is fundamentally remains a very exciting place. Um, and that doesn't dismiss or discount the challenges we're seeing in road cycling and the loss of big pro events and pro teams and, and road racing participation. That's all very real and important, and that needs to be looked at critically and honestly. Um, but uh, to myopically focus on that one element of a much broader sport in an organization that is fundamentally healthy and in a better position than ever to address it uh, would, be, uh, would be a mistake to look at it just narrowly like that. I think it's a pretty cool opportunity. I, I hope that... Uh, that is something somebody is really energized about because uh, that's kind of new and creative uh, and requires the significant leverage of our community who wants to see us succeed. It's, uh, um, it's one of the reasons why I so lament leaving. I, I'd like to be part of that. It's, it's really a heck of a lot of fun, um, and I'm somewhat jealous that somebody else is going to get to do it. Finally, what are the key skills that your successor needs to have in order to not just thrive in this position, but um, address the challenges that USA Cycling faces? What are the key, both personality and professional skills that this person needs? Well, I think um, uh, there's some basic professional skills that are tough. You know, there's a lot of elements to this business. You know, it's, you, you, have to, uh, you have to run PR, you have to engage with your community, you have to understand the sport of bike racing in, um, uh, very well. Um, uh, you have to run a business. You have a, a staff of, of individuals um, who are not keeping here because we pay them lots of money. They're here because they love the sport and want to contribute. And so there's just a lot of, you have to have a lot of uh, very solid executive and leadership experience 
uh, to do that. Um, so that's the first uh, very important requirement. And then the, the second is um, knowledge of the sport is really helpful. It's not you don't you don't have to have it. You don't have to come from the background that I did, where you're in the sport in detail for decades. But you have to understand sport and have to be willing to learn uh, the sport very rapidly. So there is a knowledge component there. But I think there's also just sort of a spirit um, of, uh, of optimism and can-doism uh, because uh, if we, what we don't want is USA Cycling to simply um, do things as it's always done and just uh, uh, run it the way it always has. You want the organization to evolve and change and follow uh, areas of success and be honest about its failures. Um, and to do that requires somebody with a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset and a sense of adventure and a willingness to take some risks and move the organization. Now, I, I've, uh, by virtue of where the organization was, had to be um, very focused with the board and the leadership team here on the foundation of USA Cycling, securing its revenue, getting the leadership team restructured, uh, thinking about what our mandate was. Um, There's a lot of foundational elements that we had to spend a lot of time on, the IT project. Um, as we come out of that and the organization is in a, a, a very functionally sound place, now is the time to say, all right, what are we going to do with this tool, which is a, um, the bureaucracy of USA Cycling? How do we use that to improve the sport? And there's got to be a spirit of trying new things there um, to take the sport forward. So it's, it's that combination of sort of basic executive management skills some knowledge of the sport, a real, if you don't know it, or a willingness to learn it very rapidly, do a lot of listening to the community, know what's going on, and then having an entrepreneurial spirit to take this organization in a new way and do some new and interesting things. Um, that's, that's what's required. Hmm. What letter grade would you give yourself for your time with USA Cycling? Oh, geez. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm one of these uh, people that's very critical of, of oneself, mm -hmm. and um, uh, uh, so I, you know, I, I think about what I wanted to achieve, and you know, some areas have been great, and others have, have been less so. I'd probably be uh, pretty critical, but that's just kind of the way I am about myself. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm. I don't think I fully uh, um, emotionally in a in a position to to do that. Because uh, well, I'm still in it, I'm still going to be working hard through the end of the year, and I, I find it really hard to step back and think. I, I, I can say um, I'm very proud of the fact that the organization uh, has dramatically improved its re relationship with its community and earned a lot of trust back that is going to be essential for this organization going forward. Um, I think the organization is very well structured in terms of its leadership um, what we've done with IT, which our membership has only seen a little bit, but the good stuff is still coming. Um, and uh, I, I'm very proud that the foundation has built. Um, but, you know, when you have a sport where our objective is to have more people racing and participating and it's going the opposite direction, it's hard not to be um, uh, critical and, uh, and, and wistful about that. And I, and I have some element of, of that. But... Um, I'm, I am. I think I'll certainly be very proud that the, the foundational elements of the organization are a lot better, uh, from my perspective, than they were. Uh, but the end result is what happens to our member. How is our average member enjoying the sport and experiencing the sport? And that's the area where uh, we, a lot more progress needs to be made uh, in the years ahead. Um, and I probably fell short of my own personal aspirations of what I could do. 
um, in the time period I'm here on that level, which will keep me from um, being uh, uh, entirely enthusiastic, but um, uh, which, which just leaves me jealous of what the next person uh, is able to, uh, to do because um, I think that's going to be a really fun thing to work on. Okay. Derek, I really appreciate uh, you answering my questions, and I appreciate you always being uh, available for us to uh, call you up and pepper you with questions. Thanks again. Happy to do it, uh, Fred. Thanks for the, the great work you guys do. Yeah, and let's definitely be in touch if I find myself in Switzerland. We've got to go out on a bike ride. You bet. Let's, uh, let's, let's do that for sure.